The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to those of you um, who are here today in person. Those of you first time here, we're glad you're here. And really, um, to be honest with you, we put that cross up for you. Um, For anybody who's not a part of our family yet, we want them to know that, man, we believe the cross is the hope of the world. And we believe the Lord is doing something special. Those of you watching online, I know we have many that watch online and and eventually make their way in. And we would encourage you to do that, man. We would encourage you to come and be a part of the fellowship because the world is really weird right now. Um, I find, I don't know if you find yourself feeling this way, but sometimes I find myself, I just really am scratching my head and going, man, I... Things just, just, they just feel so broken. Um, and I hear all these people that they supposedly, um, they, they say they're Christians, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in terms, a lot of it, a lot of it is in terms of um, locally, the people I interact with, and, and a lot of it, you know, even looking on a national scale, people that are, are leaders in our, our country, and they, they say they're believers in and they believe like me, but I don't see them living like me. I don't see them thinking like me. And it's, it causes me a great deal of angst inside, and it, it, it causes me to get frustrated sometimes. It can cause me to get discouraged. Um, it can cause me to really get down and, and sometimes just go, man, I, I'm really frustrated with, wh- with, the, with the direction, the trajectory of a, what it feels like America is on right now. And I, I get really down sometimes. And for just for a moment, I have to be reminded, and I think that's what's really good about the book of Revelation that we're studying. And, and if you have your Bibles, turn to, to uh, chapter 13, and we're going to unpack that um, this week. But I, I think what's going on a little bit here, I, I identify with C.S. Lewis. He said, um, I find in myself a desire in which this world cannot fulfill. Now, I've determined that I must be made for another world. And that's so right. That's so true. Um, And as we study the book of Revelation, we know that a lot of what we read about has future implications. But it also had, you know, for the people, the first century Christians, they were going through severe persecution um, and severe uh, government oppression. And it, first and foremost, was written to them, okay? And so what did this word mean to them, and how does it apply to the church throughout the ages? And it has, I think, a kind of a um, an approach where it is applicable to them, it is applicable to all of the church age that has uh, been recorded up to this point, and however long before Jesus will actually return. It gives us a picture of what we're dealing with and how we are to uh, interact with the world in which we live in, we find ourselves uh, living in. And so I, I taught last week, we kind of dove into chapter 12, and we learned about... Uh, the reality of the devil, okay? And there's very clear that there is a spiritual force, and he was described as a dragon last week. And we saw that, man, this is a force that opposes all that is godly. And it has since uh, the beginning of creation. We, we know that there is something that, that God has talked about in the fall in his word. And so we, we started to unpack that. And this week, and we learned that, man, in this cataclysmic clash between good and evil that we find ourselves in, we'll learn today about how this real devil 
begins to operate and function in the world and how he has um, throughout the uh, age of history. Now, we are the church, and we saw last week that this enemy attacks the offspring of the woman, and the woman is the church, the people of God. In Old Testament, the Old Testament saints, the remnant that was a, they were true believers, um, and and the people of the New Testament who are followers of Jesus, not just in name but in transformation, which is so vitally important. And and we see that there's this clash between good and evil of these two uh, really categories of people. That's all there is. That's all there is in the world. If you're a believer, that's it. There is good and evil. There are those who are followers who have been transformed by the power and the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross, and those who are not. Okay? And so you're going to see today that I think what is really helpful to me and sort of helps me detangle and make sense of all of the, the, the things that are going on in the world, you'll see today that there's, there's no gray, gray area. People are either in this thing with the Lord or they're not. And so we, we, look at other, we look at other religions, if you will, and sometimes we would feel like, well, man, they, you know, um, you know the, the, these are good people, and they are. But the fact of the matter is, is what's happening behind what they're experiencing and how they're living is pure evil. And we need to come to terms with that. We need to own that as believers. We need to own the reality of the wickedness that exists in the world, not so that we go and we start trying to beat people up. That's not why we need to own it. We need to own it in order for us to have a sense of urgency that people come out of the deception that they are involved in. And that we look and we go, man, I am supposed to be in a war in which I am a good citizen of Christ, a soldier who knows how to take the Word and live it out and look for the Lord to use me on a daily basis to help clear up a lot of the deception that is going on in those uh, who are living near and close to me. And so we get into chapter 13. Are you ready? All right. It's kind of scary. It's got dragons and beasts and the mark of the beast. So get your pencil out and I'll try to my best to explain it all. The dragon that we learned about last week stood on the shore of the sea and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. And it had ten horns and seven heads, and with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his power, and his throne, and great authority. Okay, so what is going on here? Well, we've established last week that the dragon in this apocalyptic literature is symbolic of the devil, this fallen creature who rebelled against God um, at some point in history. And what is he doing? He's standing on the shore of the sea, and he's summoning up the beast from the sea. Now, the sea sometimes means from all of the Gentile peoples, 
but it also means the abyss. And we know that the devil came from the abyss, okay, where he is ultimately going to, to, to be sentenced to. And so he's summoning out this place from which he comes, a human agent in which he can function through. It has seven heads and ten horns, and they emphasize, I believe, the completeness of the oppressive power that this particular person or kingdom has. Now, I tend to believe that this is a kingdom because the lion, the bear, and the leopard are prophesied about and talked about in Daniel, the prophet in the Old Testament prophet, the book of Daniel in chapter 7 and 8. And they represent three different kingdoms. And Daniel mentions a fourth empire. And he, sa he says that this fourth empire will be future. And some look at this and go, well, man, this was Rome during the Christians, uh, the first century Christians at the birth of the church when, when the church began. And there was tremendous persecution. And I think there's truth in that. Um, but I think that it also has uh, implications for the future. And so I think that this is symbolic when it says this beast was summoned up with these uh, seven heads and these ten horns, that it was summoned up from the, ab the abyss. I think it is symbolic of world empires that are both past, present, and future. Okay? And they all will have leaders. So there will always be a leader, like if you look at the past in the first century church, to which this was written, you have the uh, Nero and Domitian, and these, these, were, these were leaders who were very oppressive to Christians and, and the, the gospel as it was coming out of the uh, ground in its infancy and the church was started. But if we look through history, we will see in every age of history, there has been a kingdom and there has been a leader that has been oppressive to the people of God. And so just as God is working through human beings, the beast is summoned to work through human beings in order to oppose the people of God. And so when we read in 1 John, who is the, John is the author of the book of Revelation. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the Gospel of John. And he writes in 1st John chapter 2, verse 18, you have heard that Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. And so there is always a spirit of Antichrist. What is the spirit of Antichrist? Anyone who denies that Jesus was God in the flesh is the spirit of Antichrist. And so in, when we study the book of Daniel and we study the book of Revelation and we begin to um, unpack all of this, what we begin to see is in Revelation, it's giving us a picture of what's going to happen, like what, they're what we're dealing with right now, so it's applicable for us as we face oppression, and it seems to be that we're headed down on this road in this free country that we live, and it seems to be that, that Christianity is just going to get more and more impressed. I hope that's not the case, but the only thing that is going to keep that from happening is a significant spiritual awakening among people, a, a revival, if you will, like has happened in the church in ages past. That is the only thing that is going to stop the trajectory that our country is on. And so um, as we think through what is happening, the, the Bible says that prior to the return of Jesus, it will be worse than it's ever been. And Daniel prophesies about these three um, empires that existed and a forthcoming that the fourth one will um, it will 
it will have all of the power of the former three combined in one, and it will be incredibly oppressive. And so that's kind of the picture that is being painted here. And it says, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound. But the fatal wound had been healed, and the whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. And people worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? And so now we have um, here the, the leader or the empire, because every empire, like we could look and we go, okay, back in the last century, in the middle of the last century, we know, man, there was an evil empire that arose. That's the most recent thing that we could look at and experience. He had a desire to conquer the world, Hitler did. And, and so it had a leader, and it had a leader that was leading people. And so that we could look at that and go, in one sense, that is a form of the beast that is being described here. But prior to the return of Jesus, um, the beast will be given an insane amount of authority. That God, you see, in all of this, as dark and as frightening as it sometimes gets as we read through it and study it, in all of it, God is always in control. And so God will allow the beast and the dragon to have a greater amount of authority on the planet. Now, sometimes people would say, well, I don't like that. I, I, that's hard for me to believe in a God that would allow those things to happen. Why would God do that? And here's why. Because he is preparing for his return. And at his return, the final judgment will take place. And so what is taking place is, is, is the line is going to get very clear that is drawn in the sand. Who are the people of God and who are not the people of God? And so as this happens, it clearly shows that God has reached out. He has offered a way and men either loved the light that was revealed to the world through Christ or they love darkness and chose it. And so it will be, uh, uh, it basically he is allowing it to happen in order that judgment can come and it, there will be no doubt. And so this, um, prior to Christ's return, um, we have this political leader. And it says that one of his, uh, as it talks about one of his, the heads of this beast will be fatally wounded. Now, there's different debate on what this means, okay? Some a futurist would believe that they'd look at this and they would go, man, this is probably a person who appears to have died and they come back to life. And, and sort of an imitation of what happened to, to Jesus. Some believe it is a, a country or a, an empire, if you will, that seems to have gone down and all of a sudden it has a revival. Um, there's, so there's a lot of different <clears throat> um, interpretations about that. I kind of tend to believe, and I've, I've told you guys I'm a little eclectic in my approach. I kind of borrow from the futurist and the historical uh, position, and I, I, I just kind of look at what the Lord is teaching me, and I believe it will both be um, the, that there will be an empire and there will be a leader of that empire, and it could very well be that there is a hoax, that it looks like he is dead, and all of a sudden he comes back and, and people are amazed by this thing, that takes place. Now, if you're a hardcore um, uh, dispensational premillennialist, you believe that it is actually a person that dies and the Lord, uh, God even allows the devil to use power to bring him back to life. 
I don't know if I go that far uh, in that. Actually, I don't go that far. I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I, I see this as just an event that will further deceive people already uh, more than they're already deceived. Okay, So that's kind of what happens. And people, they go after this because they're thinking in their minds, who could wage war against this? Who could come against this powerful um, um, empire and this leader that is leading it? And then this tells us a little bit more about the beast. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opens its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander His name and His dwelling place and those who live in heaven. Now, this is interesting when you study the Greek behind this, because we, we talked about this last week, those who live in heaven. It talks about those who tabernacle in heaven. And so that would be indicative in this time that we're living in right now. I'm a tabernacler in heaven. I live on earth, but I tabernacle in heaven, man. That's where I belong. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God who is living physically on this world, but I realize I was made for another world. And so I've always got my eyes focused on the kingdom of Christ. I'm walking out my obedience on a planet that right now does not belong to Jesus. Okay, we have to be under. We have to understand that that's the that's the world we live in. From a Christian worldview, the planet does not belong to Jesus right now. He created it, but he is not the prince of it. The dragon is the prince of the world. The dragon is the prince of the power of the air. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Why did he die on the cross of Calvary? Because men are dead in their sins and transgressions. And what Jesus does is when a man comes to a place where he understands that Jesus was God in the flesh and he confesses his wickedness, he confesses that he is helpless in the state that he's in, and he says, Lord, help me, I'm a sinner, the blood of Christ washes over him. He is covered by the sacrifice of the, on the cross of Calvary, and now he is a citizen of the kingdom. He is born again, and now that person belongs to Jesus, and he is sealed with the Spirit. Like the sealed people, the 144,000 that will be sealed in the future, they are the people of God. We are marked by the Spirit of God because we have confessed that Jesus is the Christ. He lives in us, and now we belong to him. Ultimately, when Jesus returns, turns, he will reclaim the planet for himself. Okay? He reclaimed me already. If you are a believer in Christ who has been transformed by the power of Christ, he has reclaimed you and redeemed you spiritually. Into future, he will redeem your body to join your spirit. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. And he will redeem the planet for you to live on in that resurrected body. You see, Christians think like a lot of the world thinks, when we take and th think in terms of how we believe and, and, and we don't really realize what the Bible teaches, is we think that it just means when we die, we're just going to float around somewhere off in the distance. That's not what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches that the Lord will remake the, the earth. He will put us here. There will be something future that we will live forever and ever in a physical body like the resurrected body that Jesus had. And so that's what we're looking forward to, and that's why it feels like we don't belong in this world because this world is broken and we're waiting on the Redeemer to come and fix it. And so we look forward to that, and things will get um, worse and worse until that time comes. I don't know how I got off on all of that, but I was headed somewhere, and I forgot where it was. Do you remember, Shay? Yeah, man. You were at, uh, at verse 7. 
Yeah, I know we were somewhere around verse 7, but I don't remember what I was saying. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, so anyway, well, I'll just start somewhere. The, the people, <laughs> people, people in this, in, in this period of time, they will, uh, I'm just going to start read the verse over. I think it'll help me. It says, one of the heads of the beast had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound, was that, is that where it was? I read that whole next section. Tabernacle. Come on, man. Who said that? Yes, bro. That we tabernacle in heaven, but we live on earth. That was it. And then the, the scripture says that the, the, the earth dwellers, they tabernacle on earth. So that's what I was talking about. Everybody is either a tabernacler in heaven or they are a tabernacler in earth. And when you are saved by the blood of the Lamb, you begin to tabernacle in heaven. This is why in John chapter 15, Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, you can't produce anything. But if you abide in me, you will produce fruit, fruit that will last. What does abide mean? It means you know how to sit with the Lord. You know how to read the word. You know how to hear what the Lord is calling you into in obedience. You are tabernacling in heaven as you live on the earth if you are never like sitting with the lord and hearing from him you're living like an earth dweller and you're trying to tell everybody you're a heaven tabernacler it doesn't work and that's why the world starts getting broken and then all these people who are saying man i'm a believer in christ yet there's nothing in their lives that are shaping them um, for the lord like it causes a lot of confusion in the world. And that's why I say either the church is going to have to wake up, man, from its sleep, and, and, and a revival is going to have to take place across the land, or America is going to continue to go down this road, this trajectory that she is on, and she will, she will fail. She will just fail. Society will continue to break down worse and worse because the only thing that can correct a sinful, darkened heart is the God who created it. Okay, and so we look toward um, being the kind of people that are tabernacling in heaven. Now, when this beast comes, he will blaspheme. And, and again, we see this, like this is happening right now. It was happening to the church during the time that they were under the oppression of Rome. It was happening in the last century and the century before that and the century before that. Prior to the return of Christ, it will happen unlike it's ever happened before. And again, it is to prepare for his return, and judgment will, will fall on the, on the world. And so when this beast comes into power, it will blaspheme God and oppose his people in a violent way. And what is the, what is the beast trying to do? The beast will have a leader. The beast ultimately has been summoned by the dragon. The dragon is the devil. He's trying to stamp out Christianity. He's trying to stamp out the Jewish people. That's why there has been such a, an attack on the Jewish people generation after generation is the beast is trying to stamp out the chosen people of God through which God has a plan that he is um, operating through the physical planet as well as the spiritual planet. And, and, and so the beast is constantly attacking the offspring uh, of the woman, which is Israel and the church in the New Testament. Okay? So like 
All of this oppression is trying to stamp out Christianity. So prior to the return of Christ, there will be a more violent attack on Christianity than there has ever been. Now, I thank God that even though sometimes we feel like we're living in, a, in, a, in an oppressed society as believers, the fact of the matter is we're really not. Like we can gather right now. We don't have to. We can go out and build a giant cross in front of our church to tell the, the people that pass by, hey, something is important. There's, there, there's something greater in life than than sometimes all of the distractions that get us. We have all of these freedoms, but, but prior to the return of Christ, man, that right there wouldn't be going up. Like there'd be somebody coming saying, you're going to take that down right now. You can have a sign, but you can't have that sign. You can do some things, but you can't do these things. Now, all of my life studying the book of Revelation, I've kind of read and goes, how I mean, come on. I mean, I'm reading it, I'm just being honest here. I'm reading it with American glasses on. I'm going, how could that happen? Right now, I'm not saying that anymore. Like, I'm looking at the world and going, whoa. Like, things are shifting so dramatically. The supply chain, like, sometimes you go, how, man, I've gone to the grocery store all my life and never seen there's been a problem with having food in the grocery store. And there's not right now. But just in an instant, man, things can get disrupted. you got all these ships that are sitting outside on the ocean that, that, man, they can't even get unloaded. And we're living in the greatest technologically advanced time that has ever been known to man. And we can't get the stuff off of those ships. What is going on? Like you look at the world and you go, what is wrong with the world? And you see that as, 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 as inventive as we are, um, and as, <laughs> it reminds me of the Tower of Babel. And they go, all the people of the world come together and they start forming all of these things. And, and they like, look at what we can do. And just with a little bit of a, God can say, we can mess that up real quick. And just all of a sudden, man, everything gets disrupted. And we're like, Oh, man, my Amazon package hadn't come in yet, right? And we freak out, okay? And so like that, that we can see, man, that things can, can get spiraled out of control very quickly. And so this is what happens during this time is there is an oppression on the people of God. And the beast, um, under the authority of the dragon, is allowed to bring that oppression. And then it gets more interesting. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. And it had two horns. The other one had um, ten. This one has two. It had two horns like a lamb. But it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf, and it made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. 
Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and that number is six, six, six. The second beast is like the first beast, but he's religious in nature. He's a lamb with two horns. He's very eloquent and able to use demonic power to perform signs. Jesus, in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24, warned of false prophets prior to his return. He said, beware of false prophets and false messiahs performing signs and wonders, and they will be able to deceive even the very elect if it were not possible for me working through them is basically what he says in a nutshell. And so he warns them. And so this brings about a great deception. And God gives people over to a spirit of delusion, again, to prepare for the final judgment. You can read about this in the book of Timothy. Paul tells Timothy, man, prior to the return of Christ, things will, people will love, like they'll be lovers of themselves and lovers of money, and they will not tolerate the preaching and teaching of God's Word. They won't want to hear this kind of preaching and teaching that I'm doing today that talks about, man, we're, we're sinners who stand in the need of God's grace, and we need to give our allegiance to the Lion King, uh, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King, and He is to be King and Lord of our lives. And people won't tolerate that. They want some teaching that will tickle their ears, that they can kind of believe that everything's okay, and they can go on about their own way. And so this is what happens when we get prior to the return of Christ, there will be a very influential person and a very influential spiritual empire that will cause people and point people toward worshiping the beast. Okay? So people who worship Christ will be opposed like never before. And only the mark, the marked, the people who are marked with the beast, the number of the beast will not be oppressed. And so what are we marked with? Well, the 144,000 are sealed. I already talked about being sealed with the Spirit. We are marked by the Spirit of God. We are the target of the oppression of this enemy that has risen up, and, and, and the people who have the mark of the beast are not the target of it. And we say, we look at a world, why is it that people are so intolerant in this day of age of every other religion except Christianity? Have you noticed that? They want Christianity like, you can't believe this. You're a bigot if you believe that. You can't take this position. You're a racist or a bigot or you don't care about people's um, desire for what they want to, uh, uh, how they want to view themselves sexually. Uh, you can't make up your mind. You, you actually believe that. Well, yes, I do believe it. And so I'm labeled as intolerant and as a bigot and many other religions though false, are allowed to just, like, there's no attack on them whatsoever. Now, hear me out. I am not saying that right now we are living in the end times, but I'm not saying we aren't either. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just know that it's weird right now, right? And I, I can see, I can see that, men things are, are, are off balance, and it, 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 it's not the same that it used to be. And so what happens is people, um, uh, the dragon, here's what we got going on here. So this is a person, and, and this, is, uh, this is a picture, I believe, of the apostate church. That the church will continue to do good deeds in the world, but will be less and less about the Word of God and less and less about Jesus and His blood shed on the cross. 
It will just be about people coming together and having a religious experience. When we look at the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament, it was a religious experience. It was them all coming together and look at what they could do from a humanistic uh, standpoint without God. And so the church will continue to function and do things even to help society. It'll look like a lamb, but it will speak like a dragon. That's what's being taught here. And so there will be a leader even of the church who points people toward this direction and the people who oppose that and say, man, this is not right according to the word of God. They will be the target of the oppression that goes on in the world. And so what we have is an unholy trinity. The dragon is the counterfeit father. He's a false god. The beast of the sea is a counterfeit Christ. He is a false savior. And the beast of the land is um, a counterfeit Holy Spirit. He is a false prophet. And these three work in connection as a counterfeit to oppose the people of God and the kingdom of God, and they will be allowed for a short season for a period of 42 months. Some people believe that is a short period of time. Others believe it is literally three and a half years. But whatever the case, this influence will be allowed to cause a great deception for a short period of time, and Jesus will come back and fix it all in a moment, okay? And so that's where we're headed as we continue to progress through the book of Revelation. You say, well, this is great. I've always wanted to understand the end times, but what do I use this for this week, man? Here's your three takeaways and a big idea. You better watch out when people look like lambs and speak like dragons. They're all over the place. What does a dragon sound like? He sounds like he's not listening to the Word of God. He's listening to the culture you got to look out for lambs that speak like dragons. They're everywhere right now. They're everywhere. And you you got to know if you're not careful, this is why I say, man, you you got to have some time in the Word. Because if the more you're in the Word, the more you can recognize when a person's speaking like a dragon, even though they look like a lamb. A person may seem harmless, but what there's coming out of their mouth and what they actually believe is of the beast himself, and it is very damaging to the kingdom of Christ when believers aren't able to recognize a heretical thing that is being spewed out of someone else's mouth. And so we got to be able to recognize that, and we need to be aware that it can happen. Christian religion can become false and demonic if it fails to speak the word. You should always look for a pastor and, and, and a staff of people to lead in the church who their primary and, and they're sold out to the word of God. And you need to be sold out to the word of God. And the Word of God needs to be the primary factor motivating everything about the church, not the different kind of ministries that we can offer the community. Who cares? I'm not UNICEF. We are not, that's not who we are. And our primary objective is not to offer all these ministries to pacify people. Our objective is to preach the gospel and say, man, if you don't understand that you are a sinner in need of God's salvation, then you are going to be deceived and your mind is going to be deluded and you very easily could be washed away in the sea of deception that has been called forth by the dragon who stands on the shore and summons the beast. 
And so our job is to be people of the Word who know how to proclaim the Word. We understand the Word. We live the Word. We don't just know it. We live it. We allow it to shape our lives. We are citizens of heaven. We live with our feet physically on the earth, but we tabernacle in heaven. And when the oppression comes, this is why this is so important, if we are led astray, if we are led astray, by people who look like lambs and speak like dragons, when the oppression comes, we will not remain faithful. We will have never been a part of the kingdom of Christ. And it will ferret those people out. And so, all who support, support this, this is kind of frightening. Not only can a church be that way, all who support cultural religion inside and outside of the church are agents of the beast, no matter how lamb-like they may appear. That's just the bottom line. And so if a person is a part of that and they're wrapped up in that, they're being used as an agent of the enemy. A true prophet leads people to worship God, and a false prophet leads people to worship the state and culture. That's the difference. A true prophet, and by a prophet, I'm not saying a prophet like Elijah. I'm saying a prophet who preaches the Word of God, a proclaimer. And that's how you can tell the difference between a true and a false prophet. So watch out when people look like lambs, but speak like dragons. And I'm not just talking about pastors here. Okay, primarily, I would say, yes, pastors. But I would say you need to be able to recognize neighbors. And I'm not saying ostracize them. That would be the worst thing you could do. I'm saying influence them. And let them know and don't say, man, you sound like a dragon right now. That's not what I'm saying. But just recognize and go, geez, I've got a friend here who's totally confused. How can I pour into their lives and help them to come out of this place of delusion when it comes to the truth of the Word of God? You say, well, how do I do that? discernment is necessary to detect evil. you got to have discernment. What is discernment? Spiritual discernment, okay? Spiritual discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the more we are in tune with the Word of God, the better we are at recognizing fallacy, okay? And so it's kind of like a metal detector. I mean, when you're a kid, my brother got a metal detector. You go around, and this guy had told us on our place, our parents' place, that when he was a kid, he had buried a quart jar full of pennies out by this tree out there. Doot, doot, doot. He never, never found those pennies. They're still there somewhere. But you got different levels of metal detectors, okay? You got your old cheapie that you can get maybe at Costco for about 60 bucks during Christmas time. It'll be there. And then you probably got some that, man, probably cost several thousand dollars. And they really get the job done. But that thing, what it does is like, you're just kind of hovering over the ground, and it's looking for metal below the surface, and it, it's constantly giving you a beep to monitor. That's what we need to be doing when it comes to fallacy. And I will do that. Like if I'm with you and we're talking, and it's always. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know? 
And that's what we all need to be living like is we need to be going, man, I need to be listening to what's coming out of my kids' mouths. What are they thinking? How are they being shaped? How's the culture shaping them? Are, do, am I detecting anything around them right now that is, is false that they need to be corrected on? Do I help, need to help them understand it? And I want them to be able to come to me. And, and we all need to have that kind of going on consistently because discernment is required in order for us to detect evil. False teachers will encourage compromise with culture and the culture and its idolatrous institutions, okay? That's what a false teacher will do. And so as believers, and again, a teacher, a teacher could be in a pastoral role, they could be in an academic role, they could be in all these different roles. And, and again, it's so weird, man. People have People who claim to be Christians are teaching something that the Bible clearly will not... Um, tolerate and, 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 and approve of. And so false teachers, again, encourage this. And we need to be able to recognize it. And, and what happens in false teaching is they take cues from culture and they end up corrupting the covenant community. And prior to the time of Christ, this will get so rampant, it's insane. Like right now, we see it, if we see it happening in a church, you kind of shake our heads and go, how is that? How is that happening? Well, this is what's happening. The cues are being taken something from other than the word of God. And so when prior to the return of Christ, when he comes back the second time, it will, it will be so common that if you believe in Christ, you will be among the persecuted at, because there will be such a violent attempt to try to stamp out everything that is um, true and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so a true prophet is inspired by the Holy Spirit and a false by the unholy trinity, the beast himself. And you say, well, man... <laughs> I don't want to get, you know, on the wrong track here. I think I can remember when I was younger, you, you learn and you hear about the book of Revelation, the mark of the beast, and you're like, geez, man, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to take the mark of the beast, man. What, what is that all about? And you start getting a little worried. And so some of you younger, you may be going, man, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. How do I protect that? Here's how you protect it. If you've been booked, you won't get hooked, Okay. All right, it says in verse 8, it says, All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Everybody who really does know Jesus, if you're alive during this period of time that we are learning about, or if it gets really oppressive during our period of time, if you know the Lord, you won't deny Him. But what is happening is a purge. The wheat will grow up with the tares, and at the return of Christ, they will be separated. There is a purge. Who's in and who's out? Because the people who are not actually believers in Christ will not say that they are believers in Christ. They'll get off the, uh, get off the fence. They'll, they'll, re they'll just say, man, I don't believe that anymore, and they will reject um, their faith. And so we see here, um, you don't need to worry if you're in the book. Okay, so... What up this mark of the beast? One of the things that is probably talked about more than any out of the book of Revelation is the mark of the beast, 666. Well, let me tell you what they're not going to do. It's not going to be like, hey, Ben, if you want to buy some groceries here, you need to have tattooed right here or right there, 666. I don't even believe it's going to be a microchip. I don't believe, <laughs> I don't believe it's going to be anything like that. Here's the big idea. 
What's going on in your head and what's happening with your hands indicate who has your heart. It's what's going on on the inside of your head and how it's being used to influence your hands and what you do indicates who's marked your heart. Is it Jesus or the beast? Because just as the 144,000 are sealed, or I'm described by the Apostle Paul as being sealed with the Spirit, that's my mark. And I would be, if I weren't a part of the kingdom of Christ, I would be sealed with an unholy spirit that cannot be in the presence of God. You see, the Jews, long before any of this was talked about, during the time of Moses, they were given in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema. It says, love the Lord your... Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. There's only one God. And love Him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. What's interesting is they would wear phylacteries. What in the world is a phylactery? It's a little pouch that you would wear over your forehead, and you would put words of the Shema in it. Or you would wear it over your forearm with words of the Shema in it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love Him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so when it talks about the sign on the forehead and the hand, it's people who don't love God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, and their hands don't love their neighbors like themselves. They're consumed by the things of the world. They're consumed by the unholy trinity, and they get off track on what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. You see, what happens is we want the church to do all of these outward things because it makes us feel better when we go there and if the church is doing, and again, I'm, I think the church should be in, engaged in ministries, okay? By my earlier comment, I don't want you to take that away. But here's, here's why I'm pushing on. is the church will get involved in all of these external ministries, and they will build these programs, and the programs will begin to happen, and the people will come in, and they will support financially the programs, and they will pay for the programs, and it will make them feel better about themselves because of look at what the church is getting done, which is good. But the plan of God is to change your heart, and you go out and do something yourself. And it's your head and your hands that are to be making a difference. And when we do that, then we come back together in the church and we preach the Word of God and we sing songs about how as great as redemption is and how He uses us. We erupt in glorious praise because we are tabernaclers in heaven with our feet on the planet. And that's what the world needs today. And you are, are the people of Christ, the people of God. And that's what our church, man, that's what we're committed to is building upon that, is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, just carrying that out. You students, man, you don't get scared about the mark of the beast. You go into that school next week and say, I'm sealed with the Spirit. You better look out. Get your eyes focused on the king. Don't be terrified by the beast. He's a counterfeit. He's a liar. He will destroy your life, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords will give you the abundant life. He will blow your mind if you will love him with your head and your hands 
And the only way to love him with your head and your hands is to get him in your heart. And when he gets a hold of your heart, man, your life will be shaped by him. And he will use you to, th- to do things in this world to, uh, to, to really advance his kingdom as the enemy consistently tries to oppress it. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What is the Lord saying to you this morning from his word out of the book of Revelation? What is your call to obedience? Is it repentance of a sin that has been tripping you up? Is it the confession of your sin to him as Lord and Savior that you've never made before? Is it a realization that Jesus is God? And I've never confessed that with my mouth. Is it simply just to take one step and say, Lord, I've never... I've never heard the gospel presented the way it was presented today, and I want to know more. Maybe that's your step of obedience today, but whatever it is, don't be afraid to walk it out. And the Lord of the universe will meet you as you take one step toward Him. He will take a giant leap into your life. I'll just give you a moment to pray, and then I'm going to close this out. Those of you online, encourage you to do the same thing. And if you'd like to visit about what's going on, you have any questions, there's a thing in your bulletin. And there's a plate as you're walking out the back. You can put it in that that little plate on the table and just or hand it to me. I'll be in the back. Say, I wanna, I wanna have lunch. And we'll have lunch. And we'll talk. Jesus, we thank you that you are the lion of the tribe of Judah. We thank you that your word gives us an explanation for the existence of evil. That you tell us, Lord, that prior to your return, there will be a great suffering among your people, but you've also said that we are never more like you than we share in your sufferings. And so, Lord, we thank you for the world that we live in right now, and we pray that you would help us to be the kind of tabernaclers in heaven that love people the way that you love them, that we recognize evil, Lord, that we have the spiritual discernment to pick it out and, Lord, know, have the wisdom to know how to respond to it so that people can come out of the delusion that they may be walking in. And thank you for this church, Lord, and what you're doing in this body of believers. We know you have great plans for OPCC. We're humbled by it, Lord. <laughs> we know that, Lord, America needs the preaching and teaching of your word more than it needs anything else. It needs transformation in the hearts of people. We don't deserve to be part of that, Lord, but we sure do desire it. The only reason we boldly come before you today and ask you to use us in that capacity is because you told us to. We can't make believers, Lord, but we can invite our friends and we can share what you're doing in our lives and you can make them. And we want to see that, Lord. We want to see a revival. We don't want to play church. We don't want to be a part of a mega church movement. We want to see transformation in the lives of men and women and boys and girls. We want to see revival. We pray that you would bring it, Lord. 
because we know it's not possible without you, Holy Spirit, making it so. We love you. We thank you. We pray these things in Christ's name. And amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.